Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We turn your attention to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse number 1. I will be reading from the King James Version today. The King James Version, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to begin at verse number 1. And I'll be reading uh, quite a few scriptures today to get us started on today's sermonic feast. Romans chapter 8. Beginning at verse 1. Once you have found Romans 8 and 1, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? Again, I'll be reading from the King James Version. You read along with whatever version you may have. Y'all know I move around different versions. I may read from the New Living Translation, but today we're in the King James Version because of how the verse we're going to focus on, how it's how it's phrased. We just want to use the King James today. Here's what we find in Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for they for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God, an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But they are not, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised, G raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. Going to put the spotlight on verse 13. We're going to cover a good number of these 
of these verses, but the spotlight comes from verse 13, where we find these words, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Amen. I want to raise the question today, are you trying to kill me? Are you trying to kill me? Today, I want to wrestle with the question, are you trying to kill me? So let's begin with the question, who is posing the question? Who is asking, are you trying to kill me? And who are they talking to? The question comes from our flesh, our sinful nature, which Paul has told us is hostile toward God. It comes from the part of us that dismisses pleasing God, sometimes only momentarily, or for some who uh, be, go beyond momentarily, they're, they're about that life. They live in their flesh. They live a lifestyle that, that opposes the will of God. It comes from, it comes from that part of us that, that wants to do our own thing. The question before us this morning, are you trying to kill me? Is a question posed from our desires and impulses, living as squatters in our hearts, texting our new man who desires to live as the temple of the Holy Ghost and become more like Jesus. The question, the question, are you trying to kill me, is not speaking of suicide or doing physical harm to oneself. But I want everyone to, I want, I want to serve notice to everyone that every suicidal thought suicide plan and even depression anxiety and loneliness that your anxiety that your anointing is coming for them your anointing is coming after every suicidal thought every suicide plan every 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 uh, uh, aspect of depression anxiety and loneliness your your anointing has to serve notice coming for you God has ordained for you to live and to live life more abundantly with an abundance of joy and peace. Are you trying to kill me? The, the answer is supposed to be yes. Our new man, our, our new nature, our, our saved selves is out to mortify the deeds of our old selves or kill or put to death our old selves, a part of us that, that still wants to do what we were doing before we got saved, still wants to think the way we were thinking before we got saved, still wants to talk the way we were talking before we got saved. The new, the new us, the, the, the part of us that Paul described as being new creations in Christ with old things passing away and all things becoming new is to put to death the old us and, and our old ways of handling stress, our old ways of, of finding pleasure our old ways of handling anger, our old ways of, of living our lives. The answer to the question, are you trying to kill me, is to be a resounding yes. Because Paul is exhorting you and I to put to death, to destroy, to kill, to cancel our flesh. He, 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 is, he said in verse 8 that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's that important that, that we cancel our flesh, that we mortify the deeds of our flesh, that we put to death the power, the influence, the, uh, uh, the power of our flesh. He said 
they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So in other words, to kill, destroy, cancel our flesh is a call. Three things real quick by way of introduction. Number one, it is to advance in our sanctification continuously. Uh, the call to kill our flesh, the call to, to cancel our flesh is a call to advance in our sanctification continuously. Advance in our sanctification continuously. All who follow Jesus are to be sanctified. In other words, set apart as holy unto the Lord. And we advance and progress continuously towards becoming more like Christ. All of us who love Jesus are sanctified, not just certain people at a quote unquote sanctified church. Every church that's open in the name of the Lord Jesus is supposed to be a sanctified church, a church set apart for God, a church that's set apart, composed of holy people of God. And we in canceling our flesh, mortifying the deeds of our flesh, we're called to advance in our sanctification continuously. But number two. Number two, we are to take our stewardship seriously. Take our stewardship seriously. Not only do we advance in our sanctification continuously, we take our stewardship seriously. What I mean is the Holy Ghost does his part to sanctify all who follow Jesus. But we play a part as stewards or managers of ourselves. Mortifying the deeds of our flesh is what we are to do as stewards or managers who participate in our sanctification. And again, sanctification simply means that God has set you apart as holy for his use. It's, it's what folk, it's sanctified folks sing songs like, uh, I give myself away so you can use me. Take, we, we are to take our stewardship seriously, and some folk don't take their stewardship seriously, but we as followers of Christ, we are to take our stewardship seriously. Then finally, y'all, by way of introduction, we are to live satisfying God lovingly. We are to live satisfying God lovingly we cannot please God in our flesh we are to satisfy him lovingly as children of the father who has according to verse 15 who has adopted us we are uh, called to cancel our flesh we are to mortify the deeds of our flesh put to death our old nature because we are to live satisfying God lovingly what I'm saying y'all is we are trying to cancel our flesh and actualize it's powerlessness to cancel the flesh is to strive to render its hostility toward God powerless for real. Being a church member is not good enough. Church attendance is not good enough. Being a good person is not good enough. Living on the crutch of ain't nobody perfect or or telling people don't judge me or justifying our sinful behavior doesn't cut it. All who claim to follow Jesus are called to become more like him. Everything in us that ain't like him has got to go. Paul, Paul exhorted the Romans back then and, and, and you and I right now to mortify the deeds of the flesh. So I just want to encourage everybody, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Put to death that old nature, put to death the old us. Paul exhorts us, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Why? Why? Why should we mortify the deeds of our flesh? Again, y'all, verse 7 tells us that our flesh is hostile toward God. 
It doesn't want to do what God would have us to do. Our flesh does not want to please God. The Bible says that living in the flesh is what carnal people do. Look at verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 of Romans chapter 8. Paul says this, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is an enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God. It does what it wants to do. It lives according to its own law, its own code. Neither indeed can be. And all I'm saying is to be carnal is to live under the dominion of our flesh, our sinful nature. Carnality is to live worldly. You behave as if you're not saved. The part of you that ain't studying God prevails in your life. It dominates your behavior, your thinking, and your relationships rather than the part of you that wants to live for Jesus. To be carnal means you're not living with biblical kingdom principles, standards, and values. Your principles, values, standards, beliefs, and behavior make you look like ordinary people out in the world who are outside the church. Paul told the Corinthians that they were acting carnal. He told these Corinthian saints, these Corinthian church folk in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. He said, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. He wrote to the church, for whereas there is among you envying, Paul, how can you tell they're carnal? They're envious, there's strife, there's division. And he raised the question, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Are y'all, do, do y'all not live as, as mere natural men who, aren't, who ain't saved and don't have the Holy Ghost? Don't y'all, don't y'all behave like folk outside the church? So carnality is a problem, or as some of our young folks say, carnality is a whole problem. Look at Romans 8 and 6. It's a whole problem. Romans 8 and 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because again, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Carnality leads to death. There are some who believe you can be a carnal Christian saved by grace and live in the flesh, displeasing God and still go to heaven. There are some who maintain that the death Paul referred to is woe and misery here on earth, which is sort of a death. But you still make it through the pearly gates, if you will. Yet there are others who maintain there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. And that carnal, worldly, flesh-dominated people will perish and miss out on eternal life. I'm going to say this. Living in the flesh and claiming to follow Christ is a gamble. Faith without works is dead. If you claim to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, but your life looks nothing like it, you are gambling with your eternal destiny. Carnality, I expect at least Two amens right there, but I'm going to move on. Carnality is a whole problem, and there is a solution. Paul gave it to us when he encouraged us to mortify the deeds of our flesh. I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, identify and mortify. Somebody needs to jot that down. Identify 
and mortified. Every born again believer in the kingdom of God has some stuff in our flesh that can still raise up its ugly head and prevail and dominate in our lives. The, some of us can testify it, the, 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 the workings of our flesh will rise up every now and then. And maybe some of us can even go so far as to testify that our flesh doesn't prevail as often as it used to. Or our flesh doesn't prevail as easily as it used to. Some of us can testify that God has so sanctified us or done such a work of sanctification in our lives. And we can tell because now we'll at least struggle before we give in. Whereas back in the day, we just gave in like it wasn't nothing to it. Paul, 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 told, Paul gave it to us when he encouraged us the solution to carnality when he told us mortify the deeds of our flesh. And I want to encourage you to identify and mortify, identify in this season at least one specific fleshly behavior and mortify it. Identify in this season at least one thing you know you do that displeases God, that dishonors God. And I want you to purpose in your heart, I'm going to do all I can to mortify, put to death this thing in my life in this season. Now, I know it's a bunch of us so spiritual and so holy and we just love God so much. Well, we just want God to have his way with everything. And, and you've been singing and praying, God, uh, search me and whatsoever you find in me. Uh, not if you find anything, but what, whatever you find in me that's not like you, God, I want you, I want you to take it out. And I'm, I'm asking you to go beyond that in this season. Identify, you know you be lying. Identify it and mortify it. You, you, you know you gossiping. Identify it and mortify it. You know you giving in to your lust and it's against the will of God. Identify it and mortify it. You know you have a problem with your temper. Stop telling folk you get it from your mama. Stop justifying it by talking about you get it from your daddy stop stop justifying it by telling you you can't that's just that's just how you get down identify it and mortify it and all of y'all who love God so much well you're not going to pinpoint one thing to identify and mortify because you just want God to to mortify everything I want you to write down I'm going to mortify my pride because I can't do what the man of God asked me to do even if it's just one thing that's in line with the word of God that's not going to break the law it's not going to break my heart but one thing that can really help me apply the word of God and prayerfully see some benefit and some of my all of y'all who just going to think you're doing God so much honor by disregarding what I'm asking y'all to do I'm at, at least this time at least this time do, do what pastor is asking you to do this time identify and mortify don't say I have so many things in my flesh that rise up I'm I'm just working on all of it you may need to mortify and identify and mortify pride identify and mortify something I'm serving notice to all of y'all one thing I'm, I, I've identified and I'm mortifying is fear I'm, I'm killing it in this season. I'm killing it in this season. Some of y'all ain't going to like it, but I'm killing it in this season. I'm, I'm put. Listen, it's time for it to die. It's time to stop justifying it. I'm, I'm killing it in this season. I want to challenge everybody. Follow my lead. Follow me as I follow Christ and identify and mortify at least one specific thing that you're going to work to mortify in this season. Because mortifying the deeds of our flesh is necessary because, again, y'all, we cannot 
please God in our flesh. The good news is that it is possible because of Jesus. It is possible to mortify the deeds of our flesh because of Jesus. He has destroyed the power of sin in the flesh. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 3. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. What does that mean Pastor Clark? It means that the apostle Paul was saying it's doable. Is mortifying the deeds of the flesh is supernaturally doable. And that's good news, y'all. Because of Jesus' shedding of blood, because it's coming into the earth in flesh just like you in, in a human body, just like you in me, and his being crucified on Calvary's cross and shedding blood for the redemption of our sins. Listen, when we appropriate that and embrace him as Savior and Lord, we are thereby empowered to mortify Mortify the sinful deeds of our flesh. And let me take it a step further. In fact, let me show you how Paul takes it a step further in verse number 10. In verse number 10, Paul goes so far as to say that Christ in us deems our bodies dead. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body, the flesh, is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, I looked this up a lot, and the truth of the matter is, this verse can be very difficult to interpret. But I believe that what the word is saying here is that because we have Christ in our lives, our bodies are dead and our flesh is therefore powerless. But as the body is dead in verse 10, as the body is dead according to verse 10, as the body is dead according to verse 10, we are also told to mortify the deeds of the body in verse 13. One more time, look at verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. The body is dead and our flesh is powerless. If we're honest in keeping it one hundred, we still struggle and combat the flesh. Our bodies, our flesh is dead, but we still have to mortify as stewards, partnering with the Holy Ghost, the deeds of our flesh. The good news is that although we struggle as followers of Christ, although we struggle with our old selves, our, our old ways, our old habits, our, our old reactions, our old mindsets, our old way of handling things, although we still struggle as believers, the good news is that while we're struggling, we're not condemned. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. I'm not condemned but I am under construction. I'm not condemned because salvation is a gift. By God's grace, I am saved from the power and penalty of sin, but I must contend with the presence of sin. I am not condemned. I need somebody struggling to say that. I am not condemned. I am under construction as I contend with my flesh and come back to become more like Christ. I am saved, but I struggle against sin. I am not condemned by God. I am saved. I am saved by his blood. 
not my behavior. I am saved by God's grace, not my own goodness. My salvation is a gift from God, not something I've gained because I'm good enough. So mortify the destructive deeds of the flesh. I, I shared with our ministers yesterday, and I want to share, share with all of you, that every time we sin, we take the risk of destroying something precious. It's got to die. Some of the behaviors that we've tolerated, some of the behaviors that we've justified, we know God doesn't like it. I'm here to tell you that living a life in sin is destructive in every time, despite our best efforts. Every time we commit sin, we take the risk of destroying something precious. Mortify the deeds of the flesh and identify and mortify. But Pastor Clark, how? How do I mortify the deeds of the flesh? Paul tells us right here in Romans chapter 8. And you know what's interesting, y'all? Paul gives us some insight, some tools, some weapons uh, as to what we can use to mortify our flesh in Romans chapter 8. But he doesn't tell us to pray and fast, although that will work. If you want to mortify your flesh, you can pray and fast. That will help you. Paul tells us here in Romans chapter 8, but he doesn't tell us, read your Bible, get in the word and meditate on the word I agree that can help you but Paul doesn't mention that in Romans chapter 8 he doesn't mention that in Romans chapter 8 pa Paul uh, we, we would think that if I want to mortify the deeds of my flesh I, I got to be connect committed to uh, learning and, and serving and, and giving and connecting and, and those things can help you help us in our growth and help us become more like Christ and help us mortify the deeds of our flesh but Paul don't talk about learning serving giving and connecting in Romans chapter 8 let me let me share y'all three things that I can that that jumps out at me that can help us mortify the deeds of our flesh number one here's one thing that can help you mortify the deeds of your flesh number one walking after the spirit walking after the spirit our flesh will raise the question are you trying to kill me and our answer has to be a resounding yes and i'm walking after the spirit that's one thing i'm doing to put to death the evil wicked deeds in my flesh look at, look at verse number four of romans chapter eight uh, paul said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us here it is y'all who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit Walking after the spirit uh, helps me, helps you and I to mortify the deeds of our flesh. What does this mean? It means the spirit of God walking after the spirit means I am allowing the spirit of God to govern my life. He governs my life. He governs my behavior. He, he governs my conduct rather than my flesh. Prior to Jesus, our flesh, our flesh governed our lives. When we, when we come to him for salvation, what we, what we post to do is make a clean break from our flesh governing our lives. When we come to Jesus, we're supposed to make a clean break from our flesh governing our lives and make up in our minds from that moment forward, the Holy Ghost will govern our lives. Prior to Christ, though, the truth is told, we are governed by all that has been poured into our flesh. All of the ingredients that I talked about last week uh, uh, of what we've learned from our home of origin, what we've learned from our families, all of that, what we've learned in the streets, what we've learned in the world governs our lives. That's why we react. Some of the way we react, that's why we respond. The way we respond, we, we let other folk get all in our ear, get all in our spirit, and we respond to stuff the way the world would have us to respond instead of 
out of the way, the spirit of God would have us to respond. We walk after the spirit as we declare he will govern our lives from now on. Walking after the spirit means that our lifestyles reflect a conscious effort to allow God's spirit who abides inside of us to change our nature. I'm telling you, when you've walked with him for a while, you not only are, are trying to live right, you live in right. It's, it's just some stuff you ain't going to do. You're not going to do anymore because you've changed. Can anybody bear witness to what I'm talking about? I don't have to fight the urge to get high. I, I don't have to fight the temptation to get drunk or get high. Back in the day, I would get drunk. I'd get high. But now I don't have to fight that I just don't want to be drunk or high. I don't want my consciousness altered. I just don't want you. I, the, the enemy can't tempt me. Oh, you had a rough day. You need to get drunk. No, I don't even. I, I ain't even. I ain't that dude no more. When you've been walking with the Holy Ghost for a while, him governing your life, you will find yourself, find yourself realizing I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not that woman. I'm not that man anymore. Are y'all praying with me today? He changes our nature. Walking after the spirit is to walk away from who we used to be, uh, who we used to be before we met Jesus. When I walk after the spirit, I am walking into a new identity. The person who walks after the spirit wants to walk away from sin and walk into greater dimensions of spiritual maturity, spiritual authority, holiness, and discipline. The more we walk with him, the more he changes us. The more we walk with him, the more he changes us changes us the more we let him govern our conduct the more he changes us he empowers me with another nature to successfully combat my sinful nature through the spirit please hear me please hear me listen through the spirit I have more than willpower through the spirit I have more than than simple self-discipline he changes my nature so that I live as a holy person inwardly rather than one who is trying to appear holy outwardly it works like this brother Leroy you might remember this some of our brothers uh Dean Clark you might remember this we our men's ministry we go walking on Thursdays and uh, uh, a while ago might have been a year ago we were walking the Wellston Trail walking the Wellston Trail and so we're walking the Wellston Trail and we pause at the halfway point and uh as we would normally do we we would pause and we stretch and rest and talk and put fun at one another all that kind of good brotherly fellowship and stuff but there's one particular day when we're walking the the Wellston Trail we we wanted to take a, a, a group photo and so we asked this other guy we didn't even know him just another brother who was coming out to walk we just asked him excuse me so would you mind uh taking our picture for us he said sure i don't mind at all so he he got one of our phones and stuff and uh and took the picture and while he's taking the picture he just he just starts talking you know he just man i, I walk all the time walking you gotta walk man i'll be i'll be trying to tell my friend you gotta walk man I, I didn't look like this about a year ago man i was way bigger than this i i, I way i walked that crap off man I, that i was dealing with high blood pressure diabetes he was cussing i'm cleaning this up you know because we in church he he was using some other language you and he said i walked all that crap off that doggone high blood i ain't on high blood pressure medicine no more i ain't messing with no diabetes no more i walked all that stuff out man i'm trying to get my friends to come walk with me man they don't get it man i'm gonna be out here anyway if i'm if i'm out here by myself i'm i, I just I, I just walked all that crap off and and that's what the holy ghost does he he governs our lives and helps us to walk all that crap off walk 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 that foolishness off walk walk that lust off he walks and he walks with us to where when we keep 
walking with him. We keep letting him govern our lives. He gives us the testimony. Oh, I wasn't like this about a year ago. I, I wasn't like this about two years ago. But I kept walking and letting the Holy Ghost govern my life and dictate how I'd respond and dictate what I would say and dictate how I would treat folk, even folk who mistreated me. And I walked, I walked that bad anger off. I walked that bitterness off. I walked, I used to be filled with, with the need to get high. I walked that crap off, man. I'm, and, and so he took our picture and, and told us how he walked all that crap off. And then you know what he did? He, he kept on walking. And that's, that's what we're doing. We, we kept on walking. I want to talk to somebody struggling today and somebody frustrated today because you're steadily struggling with that same thing. That's, but you're struggling. I just want to encourage you. Keep on walking. I know you're tired of giving in to your flesh. I know you're tired of doing what you know displeases God. But keep on walking. I, I need somebody to put that in the chat. Keep on walking. Don't you quit because if you keep walking, you'll keep winning. And I need somebody to realize if you keep walking, you'll keep winning. I need to walk where the Holy Ghost is governing my life because when I give in to my flesh, I take the risk of ruining, destroying something that's precious. And you got to keep on walking. You can't just walk one time and think you're going to see some results. You can't come to Bible study one time and think you're going to see results. You can't pray one time and think you're going to see results. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep on walking. You got to keep on repenting. You got to keep on confessing. You got to keep on praying and fasting. Is anybody praying with me today? But Paul said, if you want to mortify the deeds of your flesh, you got to walk after the spirit of God. Let him govern your life as you live in this earth. And I just want to encourage somebody to keep on walking. Because if you keep walking, you'll keep winning. Our flesh asks, are you trying to kill me? And the answer is a resounding yes. Because when I give in to you, I take the risk of destroying something precious. How do we mortify the deeds of our flesh? Number one, we walk after the spirit. But here's number two. Number two, we mind the things of the spirit. We mind the things of the spirit. I'm in verse five. Verse five. Paul says, uh, tells us to mind the things of the spirit. Verse five. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Minding the things of the spirit speaks of my intentional stewardship of my mind. My mind. My mind, mortifying the deeds of the flesh demands that I take ownership of what dominates what I think, how I think, what I believe, and therefore how I behave. How I think has a lot to do with my behavior. How I think has a lot to do with what I've been taught, what I've learned, what I've observed. Minding the things of the spirit mandates that I identify and mortify, cancel or kill fleshly thinking. Are y'all with me today? Minding the things of the spirit necessitates that I invest in my mind. I have to invest in my mind and unlearn a lot of what I learned at home or in the streets or in life in general. We cannot afford to follow Jesus with minds that are neglected. Come on, y'all know, I think, it's, is it the uh, Urban League or uh, the mind is a terrible thing to waste? 
United Negro College Fund. Thank you. It's, it's a terrible thing to waste. It's a terrible thing to neglect. And some of us need to admit we've been negligent. We have not, we have not managed or stewarded what goes into our minds. A neglected child left to basically raise themselves can only be expected to be out of control with no boundaries, no good principles or convictions. I'm not saying they're guaranteed to be this way. I'm saying it ought not surprise us if they're out of control with no discipline, bad principles and convictions. They probably not go to school. If it was up to them, I wouldn't have gone. At least not every day. That's why so many of these kids today, it's, it's up to them whether they go to school. And if they go to school, they're going to get there late, smelling like weed. They're out of control. Are y'all with me? They probably, any child, any child left to their own devices will probably never eat vegetables or anything wholesome. They likely only eat what they like, what tastes good to them. Stuff like candy, McNuggets pizza they probably do like i did growing up and eat sugar sandwiches i know i'm not the only one who made some sugar sandwiches now you you take that piece of bread you lay that piece of bread down you get that sugar and you sprinkle that sugar on that piece of bread get another piece of bread put it on top of that bread with that sugar sprinkled on it man what and get you some some diabetes inducing kool-aid got so much sugar in that and before your mama get home boy what Sugar sandwiches. If I, when I was growing up, if it was up to me, I'd have nothing but sugar sandwiches and frosted flakes. You can't pay me to eat a frosted flake now. I mean, a, a corn flake. You can't pay me to eat a corn flake now. I'll kill some frosted flakes. You can't pay me to eat a corn flake. Growing up, corn flakes, sugar sandwiches, man, what? I was so skinny, brother. Hard to believe. I was so skinny, brother Freeman. Growing up, my mother would say, "Oh, Dave, you look like you're malnourished. You're gonna—they're gonna put me in jail. They're gonna say I'm not feeding you. You need to eat. You can't just eat uh, cornflakes all your life." I killed some cornflakes, and before she got home from work, before her and my dad got home from work, I fixed me a sugar sandwich. What? It's a wonder I don't. I, to this day, I still don't have a cavity in my head. I should—I should have dentures. We raising children, you, let, you leave it up to them, they'll eat what tastes good to them, even if it ain't good for them. Left neglected and unattended, we can expect the child to be out of control and unhealthy. Some of our neglected, unattended minds are out of control in our flesh. And many in the church are guilty of only eating candy or what tastes good spiritually. Unfortunately, we have a greater appetite for the sugar sandwich of entertainment than the broccoli of edification or the grilled chicken of empowerment. I'm willing to bet that most of you, that most of what y'all watch on television or see on the internet is mere junk food for your mind. I, I would challenge y'all, write down the shows you like to watch. Just, just write them down. Now, Westerns, eh, they might, I mean, I know I got some Western saints in here. The Westerns, I mean, they, they might be all right. But all those soap operas, the nighttime soap operas too. I, the, stuff that, the stuff that we're watching, I, I think it's too much junk food for the mind. I want to encourage you, stop neglecting the development of your mind. 
Mind the things of the spirit. Let the spirit of God control how you think and even what you think about. Think about what the Lord has done for you. Think about what the Lord has commanded you. Think about what the Lord has promised you. Think about how patient he's been with you. Think about the victory you already have in Christ Jesus. Think, think about what he still is going to do in your life. Think about how God is still going to do everything he said he's going to do in your life. Think about the things that, that Christ has already done for you. And I believe I'm looking at some people who, who've been thinking. I, I think somebody in here, you've been thinking. Not just thinking, you've been thinking about some of the stuff you've been thinking. I think, I think you've been thinking, I gotta get my act together. I think you've been thinking, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta love people better. I, I think you've been thinking, I need to spend more time with Jesus. I, I think I'm looking at somebody in here who's, who's been thinking, who's, who's been thinking about the way you've been thinking. I believe I'm looking at some people who've been, who, who have thought their way around some traps the devil has set to steal, kill, and destroy your good name and, and your family and your career. I have some people in this room and online and on the conference call who's not who you ought to be but you're not who you used to be because you've been thinking I need somebody to post in the chat I've been thinking I've been thinking about how I keep messing myself up I've been thinking about how I keep messing my job up how I keep messing my relationships up I've been thinking about how I need to get something get get a grip on my anger I need to get a grip on my pride I've been thinking and I, I'm gonna grow up in Christ I've been thinking somebody needs to post that in the chat I've been thinking I've been thinking about what I've been thinking about I need to stop thinking myself into this depression I need to stop thinking about I ain't worthy I need to stop thinking about who don't like me I need to stop thinking about who don't want to be around with me or be around me I need I've been thinking about what I've been thinking about I've been thinking about making some changes I need to grow up I need to move on with my life I've been thinking this time out for all this worry all this fear all this self-doubt I've got to mind the things of the spirit the Holy Ghost ain't on the same stuff I'm on he's on that other stuff me at a higher level stuff me in another dimension kind of stuff me with the fresh anointing kind of stuff me overcoming some stuff me prevailing over depression kind of stuff me at another level of joy kind of stuff what's on the Holy Ghost mind and what's on my mind ain't the same stuff I'm trying to get my mind and the Holy Ghost mind on the same stuff he has searched the heart of God and he has that kind of stuff on his mind he has peeked into the depths of the plans and intentions and purposes of the Father and the Holy Ghost is on that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the kind of stuff the Father has in store for those who love him and walk in his spirit and is minding the spirit and mortifying their flesh because my flesh jeopardizes me appropriating the stuff that's in the heart of the Father. I've got to get my mind right. I've got my mind on him and he's got, his mind, he's got himself on me. I've got to get my mind right and if you make up in your mind to get your mind right to get your way of thinking in alignment with what the Holy Ghost is thinking I'm telling you you're going to be more victorious you're going to be more happy you're going to be more joyful you're going to be more consistent you're going to be more victorious you're going to be more powerful you're going to be more courageous you're going to be more blessed it's time for me to get my mind right because Paul said to, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. i got to get my mind right. And if you purpose in your heart to intentionally invest in your mind and pour spiritual kingdom principles in your mind, I'm telling you, you that will help you to mortify 
the deeds of your flesh. And finally, 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 our flesh asks, are you trying to kill me? The answer is yes. Because when I give in to you, I take the risk of destroying something precious. Yes, yeah, so how, how do we destroy the deeds of our flesh? Number one, we walk after the spirit. Number two, we mind the things of the spirit. And then finally, number three, we pay our debt to the spirit. We pay our debt to the spirit. I'm in verse 12. Verse 12, Paul talks about paying a debt. Paying a debt. I got to pay my debt to the spirit. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Paul said, Paul said, you and I who are born again, we are debtors. We have a debt to pay. We are held by some obligation. We're bound to some duty. It's something that, that we owe God. It's something that we got to do it's it's a debt all of us who have been saved from the power and penalty of sin are indebted under obligation as paul said not to the flesh to live after the flesh we don't owe our flesh anything and i know your flesh may talk to you like my flesh talks to mine but clark i've i've given you so much fun clark i've i made you feel so good clark i've i've given you some of the stuff you wanted i admit clark we've had some we've had some good times clark i've gotten you out of trouble and i got you into some trouble but i got you out of trouble too remember you told that story about how you lied to the popo last week i got you my flesh be talking to me i know and i gotta admit yeah we've had some good times and i've i've had some pleasure i've had some i know y'all didn't i know y'all was so miserable that's why you came to Jesus I I I, I can admit I I've, I've had some good times but I don't owe my flesh nothing through our faith in Jesus we are free from our former bondage to sin when we give in to our flesh it is because we exercise the option to do so we are not debtors to our flesh but when we give in to it we end up paying more than it's worth Please consider how much it costs us to yield to our flesh. Whenever we sin, we take the risk of destroying something precious, our good names, our influence, our trustworthiness, our families, our marriages, our momentum in ministry. Whenever we sin, we take the risk of destroying something precious, our fellowship with God, our peace, our business, our careers, our relationships. Some of us are in no hurry to mortify the deeds of our flesh because it hasn't caught up with us yet. Giving in to our flesh is sort of like getting student loans while you're in school, knowing you don't have to pay them until you graduate or are no longer in school. Those debts can wrap up and then when you have to repay, you can't afford the payments. Sin can be like that. God will have you on deferment until a certain time, sometimes the wrong time, the worst time, and then expose you and all the times you gave in cost you more than it was worth. We are not obligated to our flesh. Rather, we are indebted to the spirit. We owe God a debt of living under the influence, guidance, and dominion of the Holy Ghost. We owe God a life of holiness. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, one more time. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Here's, here's why we owe the Spirit of God. Look at verse 15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as 
as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. We have a precious, intimate relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. He's not, he's not just a man upstairs we believe in and want to bless us when we need a blessing. No, we, we have an intimate, loving connection with our Heavenly Father who has, who has adopted us. And, and verse 16 says, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I am a debtor because of the price Jesus paid to set me free from sin. I am a debtor to the one who ransomed me with his blood. It's kind of like this. I'm going to close with this. It's kind of like this. The former mayor of Detroit, Kwame Kilpatrick, was elected in 2002. He resigned from office in 2008. He was convicted of several charges to include mail fraud, wire fraud, and racketeering. And in 2013, he was sentenced to 28 years in prison. He served his sentence. Uh, he served until his sentence was commuted by former president Donald J. Trump just before he left office a year ago in 2021. When asked how he felt about Trump, Kilpatrick said with the stroke of a pen, Trump exonerated him. He admitted he probably deserved the 28 year sentence, but Trump set him free. Kilpatrick said one of the greatest things you can do for someone is to set them free, free from an emotional prison, a physical prison, a psychological prison. Kilpatrick said no one else would do it. No one else could do it, but Trump got him out of jail. So he said he wants to see Trump personally face to face. Y'all ain't catching it. So he could thank him for setting him free from prison. He said he's written letters to the former president, but hasn't had an audience with him. When it comes to Donald Trump, uh, Kilpatrick said, there are many who talk about him and they're protesting and everything. But he said, he said, all I can talk about is what he's done for me. I'm going to close. Y'all sitting there. We owe Jesus because, listen, despite what anybody else may say, we got to be able to talk about what he's done for us. I don't know how y'all feel about Jesus. I don't know how your kinfolk feel about Jesus, but I know one Friday, one, one Friday, he, he took nails in his hands. He, one Friday, just as Trump with the stroke of a pen, one, one Friday with the stroke of his blood, Jesus, he set me free from sin. One of the greatest things you can do for somebody is set them free. You can set them free from an emotional prison. You can set them free from a physical prison. You can set them free from a psychological prison. But there's only one person who can set you free from the prison of sin. One Friday, I owe him because one Friday, for me, he took nails in his hands, took a nail in his feet. One Friday, he died for me, shed blood for me. Nobody else could do it. Nobody else would do it. But one Friday, and I owe him. Is there anybody else in here who owes him, who was serving a sentence you were on your way to hell, serving a sentence of perishing in somebody else's hell? But one Friday, with the stroke of his blood, what can wash away? my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus I owe him because with the stroke of his blood hallelujah he gave me everlasting life I haven't earned it he gave it to me with my faith in his blood he gave me everlasting life I owe him is there anybody else in here who has a debt to pay? Is there anybody else in here who believes that if it had not been for the Lord on your side, 
Is there anybody here who owes him a hallelujah? Owes him a thank you, Jesus. But I want to tell you, you owe him more than your praise. You owe him your life because you can praise him on your way to hell. But I just want to encourage somebody, don't let your praise write a check that your life can't cash. You got to live the life, baby. You got to live holy, baby. You can't just praise him with your mouth while your heart is far from him. Don't let your praise write a check that your life can't cash. Let your life say thank you. Let your life shout hallelujah. Let your life give him glory. Let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable in his sight. I got a debt to pay. I got a debt to pay. I got a debt to pay. I don't want my preaching to write bad checks. I got a debt to pay. I don't want my praise to write bad checks. I got a debt to pay. I don't want my praise to write checks. My life can't cash. I need, I owe him my life. I owe him the debt of my heart. I owe him the debt of my, listen, I owe, I owe him the debt of my pain. I owe him the debt of my dreams. I owe him the debt of my everything. I got too much to pay him back for, for me to give in and live a life of sin. So cancel your flesh. Mortify the deeds of your flesh. It must be done. The flesh invites death. The spirit invites life. Every time we give in to our flesh, we take the risk of destroying something precious. So for when, when your flesh asks you, after all the fun y'all have had, when your flesh asks you, why, why are you praying and fasting? Why, why are you walking after the spirit? Why are you minding the things of the spirit? When your flesh asks you, why are you, why are you serious about paying that debt you owe the Holy Ghost? Tell your flesh. Your flesh is going to ask, are you trying to kill me? The answer is a resounding yes. Because when I give in to you, I take the risk. Of destroying something precious and some of us need to realize that we've destroyed some precious things because of our flesh you can blame white folk all you want you can blame your ex all you want you can blame your mom and your daddy all you want you can blame white folk all you want you can blame conservative republicans or liberal democrats you can blame your former cohort you can blame whoever you want but every one of us in here Need to be able to look in the mirror and admit, I messed that thing up. Some stuff you messed up because you gave in to your flesh. And it's some stuff you're about to destroy if you keep, you keep on flirting with your flesh. Keep on giving in one day. But I do believe that God is gracious enough and merciful enough to let us wake up this morning and have another chance. Another chance to get it right. Another chance to live holy. Another chance to walk upright. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray. Open the doors of the church and we're going to be gone. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.